What is that sound on the roof? It's science. Is that, that, very, is that the bells of science? The bells of science. <laughs> it's Science Santa. Yeah. Oh, oh, for people at home, Chris is in the studio. He's got a Santa suit on. He's got the big beard. Yeah, he does. I thought he was dressed as an elf. Oh, look, don't get me started on elves. Okay. Stu. Okay. No. Um, it is, look, it is uh, the Lost in Science seasonal episode. Um, <laughs> seasonally appropriate. Seasonally appropriate. I guess all our episodes are seasonally appropriate when you think about it, to the season that they to which they belong. Yeah. However, this is like, you know, holiday season, uh, Christmas ex- specifically, I guess, in our particular part of the country, world, whatever. Um, and we have a show to mark that occasion with vaguely Christmas-themed science. Boy, do we have a show. Vaguely Christmas, vaguely science. That's what we're about this week. It's a Christmas half hour. I don't yeah. know, that's no different to any other half hour, but yeah. it is Christmassy. It is. We'll see how we go. Look, um, my name is Chris, and later on I will be challenging Claire and Stu to a uh, a Christmas science quiz. Uh, we shall see how that goes. Uh, I'm pretty excited to see who's going to be the most science Christmas knowledge. Who better to challenge us than Chris? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it is. Yes. Um, and look, certainly I will say that, you know, I want to talk about the relativity of Christmas time. The Christmas is very much increasing in this holiday season. I was going to say, were you just going to ask us to guess your weight? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Oh, anyway, as we good. approach the speed of the Christmas festive lights. Uh, Stu, what have you got for us? Well, you know, I, I'm a bit of a fan of plants in general, but and at Christmas time, there's a whole lot of plants that are symbolic of Christmas. But in Australia, none of them are really seasonally appropriate. They're all sort of things that are around. At Even parasitic mistletoe? Well, most of the species of mistletoe in Australia are not really closely related to the mistletoe from Europe that oh. the mistletoe kissing tradition is based right. on. So they're completely different again. So we need to appropriate our plants? Or? Yeah, I think, I think we, need to, we need to adapt some of those traditional Christmas plant icons and move on. And uh, just, you know, use, use the ones that look good in Australia at Christmas time because there's plenty of them. Fair enough. I mean, we're just going to whack tinsel on them anyway, so what does it matter? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's hide right. them under the tinsel. Yeah, it's fine. Matter. Okay. Claire, what have you got? Um, well, everybody loves eating a prawn, maybe an oyster at Christmas. It is the Australian way. Um, but I'm going to introduce you to some ocean Christmas creatures that you probably don't want to eat, but you should be celebrating nonetheless. Some Christmas-themed ocean life, you know, because why? Can we, can we send them a present? How do we? How do we help them? <laughs> how do we help them? You can just um, you can just enjoy them. And we can talk just, about them just a little visualize bit. Visualize them. Visualize them. Yeah. Right, but don't eat them. But I mean, you know, maybe they taste good. Um, but I think we should. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, same as same as stew. We've got all these. Got all these plants, but you've also got all these animals like reindeer. Yeah, we don't have them here. No, talking snowmen. What we do have is a lot of Christmas themed ocean life. Yeah, obviously, obvious substitute for reindeer. Clearly, <laughs> yeah. okay. Substitute for reindeer because Santa, no. Santa in Australia comes by submarine. Yeah, yeah. Drawn by undersea Look, creatures. Yeah, he and, and he enters the a- house through the the pipes. He's the aqua Santa. <laughs> he comes out of the toilet. Everyone in Australia is going to the beach and eating seafood. I just think we maybe we should spend a bit more time, you know, thinking about the other vaguely Christmas related animals around this time. Okay, that's that. Claire, of, of the, the ocean, you have fulfilled the the mission for the vaguely Christmas. <laughs> I've thing. definitely fulfilled okay. that mission. Well, on with the vague show. <laughs> 
A lot of traditions around Christmas revolve around plants. Uh, probably there's even a song about the holly and the ivy, which mm-hmm. you might know. Um, I do not know that one. You don't know the holly. Oh, and the but ivy. I, I mean, let's let's stick with the big the big guns. Your well, I mean, Christmas tree. Yeah, your Christmas tree. Yeah, but holly yeah. is a big gun. Come on. Yeah, ivy. I've never holly, heard of... the holly and the ivy. It's a famous traditional Christmas song. Uh, but the Holly wins in that song, I think. It's a competition. Is it, is it Holly yeah. versus Ivy? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Holly v Ivy, Holly. Yeah. smackdown of the plant That's world. Right. Um, mistletoe, like I mentioned before. Yeah, mistletoe is is definitely. But as I said, none of the mistletoes that we have in Australia are the same as that mistletoe. So. Poinsettia. Poinsettia. I will come to poinsettia. Oh, right. okay. So okay. none of those none camera. of those plants are Australian. The holly and the ivy are both considered weeds in many parts of the country. Um, and holly bushes don't produce their signature red fruit at this time of year. They're just spiky and horrible. They're basically just green spiky leaves and no Hollyble. red berries. Hollible. Mm. Hol- um, are the berries poisonous? Uh, probably. Hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't probably. eat them. Probably. No, yeah. I reckon they are. Um. As with everything, don't eat it unless you know exactly what it is and what it will do to you. Don't put it in your mouth unless you know where it's been. Yeah. I mean, sorry. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, they don't they don't produce that fruit in Australia at this time of year anyway. Yeah. And they are considered weeds in large parts of the country, mm. as is ivy in large parts of the country. Um, and, you know, it probably bringing a tree into the house in the dead of winter in northern Europe might be a cheery idea. Uh, the fresh pine smell would have... Uh, Freshened up the air of a winter being shut indoors, I imagine, back in the olden days. Um, pine fresh, just like an air freshener. Mm. Yeah, I've actually, yeah. I've actually smelt a pine tree that smells like those pine-scented <laughs> air fresheners, and I was amazed that it actually was a real, real similar smell. Um, but obviously in Australia, it, if you bring a pine tree cut into your house in the middle of summer, it'll just drop all of its leaves on the ground and die in about... Two days. Yeah, they do that. that. They do do that. They really yeah. do. They really do. Um, and, you know, you probably bring in spiders and ants and stuff as well because they're just growing out in the in the world. It's the middle of summer. Um, no, but nobody wants that for Christmas, really. Um, Spider bite. It's worse than a lump of coal. That's if you've been really, really naughty. Really, really naughty. Yeah. In Ukraine, in the Ukraine, um, there is no. Come on, there is a Christmas legend about um, a spider, a Christmas spider, and so they actually decorate their trees with spider webs and that kind of thing. Is that where tinsel came from? Spider webs. I'm not sure that's where tinsel came from. It was some poor family who couldn't afford to decorate their tree, and then they woke up in the morning, and this spider had built this beautiful web on the tree. I'm just going to assume that the spiders in the Ukraine are not as Venomous as the spiders found <laughs> sure, sure, in you Australia. Um, now, there are other plants associated with Christmas. Poinsettias, for example, which Claire mentioned earlier, uh, have bright red bracts around their flowers and contrast with the green leaves. It makes Beautiful. it very Christmassy. So what's a bract? A bract is uh, it's, it's sort of between a leaf and a flower petal. Um, you know, it's, it's just not part of the flower. It's just a part of the plant around the flower that, People mistake for flowers all the okay. time. So just to confuse them, they called it something else. Um, but, you know, the red and the green leaves make for a lovely Christmas, you know, very traditional Christmas seasonal colours. But again, not particularly suited to Australia. Uh, they're Mexican plants that flower in winter um, and they don't flower in the Southern Hemisphere summer. So the bracts don't go red and they just look like a little bush. Unless you uh, trick them into thinking it's winter 
And that's what a lot of very clever horticulturists ah. do by shading them appropriately and making them think the days are shorter and things like that. So, again, not uh, not a particularly Australian um, Christmas-appropriate plant. There's a number of uh, lilies which are known in Australia as Christmas lilies. Um, most of them flower in late spring and early summer, which matches up to Christmas here. But obviously, they're not called Christmas lilies in other parts of the world. We just call them that because they happen to flower in Australia at Christmas time. So we're kind of just lying about what they're really called. Um, and this is one of the things with common names of plants is that you're not really defining what a plant is if you just say, well, we call it this and someone down the road calls it something else or someone in another country calls it something else, which is why plants have actual proper botanical species names. Now... There are a number of Australian plants which are commonly known as Christmas bushes, and this is where we get into the common name problem and why plants need botanical names. So, <clears throat> um, the number of plants called Christmas bushes, they're not all the same plant. They're not the same species. So, the New South Wales Christmas bush is botanically known as Ceratopetalum gummiferum, mm. and it flowers in the lead up to the solstice every year, which is around about Christmas time, um, and therefore got christened the Christmas bush. Christened, I guess, is probably appropriate for Christmas, isn't it? Um, but the flowers are actually tiny and white, and again, it's got these sepals, which are a different part of the flower that actually give the plant its colourful, what people think are flowers, they're not actually flowers. But they're white. The flowers are white, the sepals are red, ah. and they go oh. deep pink to red after the flower has been fertilised. Okay. So the flower flowers, and then the sepals of the flower go red, and it looks like there's a red flower. So that's a very Christmassy kind of thing. Um, Victorians, not to be outdone, have their own Christmas bush, which is called Prostanthra lassianthos, and it's a flowering plant in the mint family. So it's oh. not even closely related to the... Uh, Does it look similar? No, not at all. Oh. So it has uh, completely different flowers that are white with purple and yellow markings. Oh, that doesn't sound very Christmassy no, at all. No, it just no. happens to flower around this time of year. And so, Victorians still call it Christmas bush. A Victorian Christmas bush, yeah. Victorian Christmas bush. Yeah, we've definitely, we've, we've, we've definitely put our foot down. It's Victorian Christmas bush. Ah. Um, the New South Wales Christmas bush is endemic to New South Wales. Uh, meaning its original distribution was confined to New South Wales. Uh, the Victorian Christmas bush is found all the way down the east coast from <laughs> Queensland to Tasmania. Um, so it's not even Christmassy. Yeah, possibly, possibly more of a claim to being a more national symbol. Sorry to people in WA, it, it doesn't grow over there. Um, although it would, it, you know, you could grow it there if you wanted to. You could probably grow both of them uh, in, in WA we if you wanted to. We could call it Eastern Standard Christmas Bush. Eastern Standard, yeah, yeah, Eastern Standard Christmas Bush. That would be good. Um, but there's also the Tasmanian Christmas Bush, so-called because it grows in Tasmania <laughs> and all over the country, <laughs> except in WA and the Northern Territory. <laughs> So what do they do? What do they do in WA? Do they have a WA Christmas bush? Um, no. Oh, no, not as far as I know. I always thought Sturt's Desert Pea is pretty Christmassy as well. Does it flower at this time of year? That's that's oh, the key that feature the key, of the yeah. plant. What about kangaroo paw? I know that flowers this time of year. It's pretty um, Christmassy. I think we've passed flowering for the kangaroo paw oh, as well. We? Well, oh. in Victoria, maybe in, in maybe WA, in, yeah. it might be still out. And it's not really a bush; it's sort of a clump. If there are any Western Australians uh, out there who have um, an idea about what 
we should call the Australian or the Western the West Australian, Australian Christmas, Christmas bush. bush. I think they should get in on this game. Because yeah, it's, please um, let us know. Yeah, they need their own Christmas bush. Um, so yeah, the uh, the Tasmanian Christmas bush grows everywhere, and it flowers in summer as well. Uh, it flowers all through the year as well, which is also another reason why it shouldn't be called the Tasmanian Christmas bush because it's found outside of Tasmania, all over the place, and it flowers all the time. <laughs> so terribly named. Uh, common name there. Um, there's one other Christmas bush I wanted to mention, which is not Australian, but it is a Southern Hemisphere resident, which is the New Zealand Christmas bush. Hey. The Metrosideros excelsa, which flowers at this time of year. And it actually is a pretty spectacular. You've probably seen one of these flowering at this time of year and haven't known what it is. Well, that's what it is. It's got huge red sort of fluffy looking flowers with lots of little uh, bits of flower coming out, not petals, but sort of like a eucalyptus flower. Oh, That's kind of right. what they look yep. like. So it's yep. in the yeah. family. But you've probably seen them around and not known what they are. Well, that's what they are. It's the New Zealand Christmas bush. So I just thought, you know, if you're looking around for Christmassy plants, there's a lot more local, locally relevant, southern hemisphere specific plants that look amazing at Christmas time. And maybe we could, you know, have some of them as our Christmas icons in the future. Across Australia on the Community Radio Network, you're listening to Lost in Science. Well, it's Christmas time and something that Australians love to do at Christmas is um, eat seafood. Crustaceans. Crustaceans. Crustmas. <laughs> Crustmas. <laughs> Crustaceanmas. Prawns. And also, you know, fish and oysters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lobsters if you're flush with money. Um, but why just eat our sea life at Christmas when there are also plenty of um, amazing, incredible creatures in the ocean that are actually, or have been named, to be Christmas-themed. Christmas-themed ocean life. Christmas-themed ocean life. I am sceptical. We could be, you know. Oh, like, a, like, we... a, like a Santa ray. Oh, sorry, manta ray. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. The idea of a manta ray with a little Santa hat on. That's pretty cool. That's uh, pretty great. Anyway, I think we should be celebrating these Christmas-themed ocean life. Okay. Uh, decorating maybe our Christmas trees with these Christmas-themed ocean life. And oh, pretty if much... The, if the tree's not going to last through the summer, <laughs> I don't think the sea life's going to smell no, much good no. after a day or two. I, I mean, you don't decorate your Christmas tree with an actual reindeer. You decorate your Christmas tree with an image of a reindeer. Depends how rich you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. okay let let's, me start. Let's, show us what you got. Show First us what you got. one is the Christmas tree worm. Yes. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen one of these things? No. <laughs> Do they okay. infest your Christmas tree? They look exactly like small Christmas trees oh and they God. stick out of coral. Um, if you've ever been diving on a coral reef, you'll probably remember Christmas tree worms. They're sp small spiral-like worms that burrow into um, coral and they sort of look like a Dr. Zeus type of Christmas tree. They come out in little spirals, but with that very distinctive sort of um, conical shape. Okay. Yeah. So and like what in... a graphic designer would draw a Christmas tree if they're in a hurry. <laughs> and they're just like... 
yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you can get away with just a triangle these days. Yeah. And they come in uh, blues, yellows, reds, oranges. All the um, traditional colours of trees. All the traditional colours. Yeah, well, they're Dr. Zeus oh, recreations. Okay, yeah. Like, you, like you said, you can just cover them with tinsel and as long as they're the right shape. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, surprising fact about the Christmas tree worm, even though it's a worm, it lives for a long time. Some of these Christmas tree worms live a lot longer than your actual Christmas tree in your um, in your house, which only lives for you know a couple of days after you put it in there. These guys live for thirty years. Oh, yeah, which is a long time for a worm. Mm. So that's a lot of Christmases. It's a lot of Christmases. Yeah, yeah. bang for your buck. Um, all right, second critter, the candy cane prawn. <laughs> Candy cane. Yeah, prawn. most prawns just look a bit like a candy cane anyway. I mean, yeah, but that's when they've been cooked. This guy oh. hasn't been cooked. Oh, really? Yeah, no. This is like so. It's red and white striped before it's been before cooked. Before it's been cooked. And what does it look like after it's cooked? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not cooking the candy cane prawn. I'm just telling you all about it. Um, I imagine it would be probably go go to I don't know, translucent, <laughs> go opposite maybe. I don't know. Anyway, um. Uh, it's it's a type of shrimp, as you can imagine. Um, but what else is really cool about the candy cane prawn um, is it's it's known as the Randall's. It's also known as Randall's pistol shrimp, <laughs> and it's got a mutualistic relationship um, with something called Randall's prawn goby. So a goby is a little fish. A goby is a little fish. Yeah. So the goby fish are like the standover. Um, like they the the protectionists for um, our little candy cane prawn Um, and they are incredibly loyal to the candy cane prawn, which is really good because the candy cane prawn doesn't have very good eyesight. Um, And they're so loyal, they even, these gobies even hang out with the candy cane prawn after they find a mate and settle down. They still allow the candy cane prawn to live with them. Yes, that's like the annoying friend who can't get over that you've, you've, Settled down and you don't want to hang out with them anymore. I know. I know it isn't like <laughs> Poor Goby. Poor Goby. <laughs> Poor Goby. <laughs> anyway, look, I took it a different way and I thought that um, the candy cane prawn evokes some sort of family spirit, family Christmas spirits. Oh, nice. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. 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 Goodwill to all Gobies. <laughs> Goodwill to all Gobies. Uh, my third critter is the angel of the ocean. Um, it is. The sea angel, which is a pretty incredible um, species of animal. It's actually gastropod, which is the same family as snails and slugs. Um, They sound very serene and ethereal and they totally are very beautiful things. You should look them up. Um, They have no shell and don't look like slugs either, but um, they're sort of translucent and then they have these um, wing-like structures uh, that are actually called parapodia, that they flap angelically to get from A to B. Um, so they sort of fly under the water. Yeah, to yeah. Get around. So they max out at about five centimeters, but um, you know they're still you know small angels of the ocean. Mm. But um, get this: there is one species of sea angel that comes from the South Pole, um, and it has the ability to produce a molecule that stops its predators eating it. So this molecule is called pteranone. Um, Anyway, there's a species of crustacean, of krill, um, that sees that this sea angel 
isn't being eaten because it's producing this molecule around it and protecting itself. It sees that. Um, and then, and then um, it takes the sea angel, or as the scientists call it, say, it abducts it um, and holds onto it and carries it around for protection. What? Yes. So there's wow. The, yeah. Welcome to the Terranone. But you know, if that isn't what being a sea angel is all about, a you know, guardian offer angel, a guardian angel for a krill, amazing, amazing, right? Um, and my last critter is the inimitable uh, Christmas Island crab, which not only comes from Christmas Island but is also coloured red. Um, they these crabs are well known for a couple of reasons. Firstly, they live; they are in huge numbers, having been recorded. Um, a couple of years ago at over 40 million crabs in a very small area of Christmas Island. And they make an annual migration across the island um, to the ocean where they spawn. And it's one of the world's greatest um, wildlife spectacles, seeing millions of crabs spawn. It sounds um, sort of disgusting, but um, it is, you know, incredible. Do Do they do it at Christmas time? Oh, that's a really good question. I do not have the answer to that. <laughs> um, unfortunately, Christmas Island has been invaded for by, um, wait for it, yellow crazy ants um, back in the 19, back in the 20th century. So like between 1950 and 1930, the crazy ants arrived on Christmas Island. Um, and since then they've built these super colonies and they've actually sort of decimated the Christmas Island crab population the Australian government does have a plan for how they're going to manage those super colonies of um, crazy ants uh, but yes it's it is a bit of a threat to our poor Christmas Island red crab at the moment so yeah this year while you're chowing down on oysters and prawns spare a moment for our incredible Christmas themed ocean animals out there um, and hey maybe you want to hang an ornament not an actual um, candy cane prawn on your tree. Um, And, yeah, or maybe instead of getting yourself a Christmas tree, maybe get yourself a Christmas tree worm. Hmm. Or maybe not. Maybe just appreciate them. Are you ready for your quiz, guys? Yes. Ready as I'll ever be. Excellent. Now, I will, I will own your quiz master and I will keep score as well. I have my Christmas quiz master hat on, as you can see. Yeah. And um, you're, for our listeners, um, they probably don't know this, but your birthday is actually the 24th of December. It is Christmas Eve. So, yeah. happy birthday, Thank you. Chris. Thank you. Um, I'm glad someone Chris remembered. Chris, quiz master. Okay, well, let us dive right in and let us see um, some randomly chosen questions vaguely relating to science and vaguely relating to Christmas. Um, okay, let, let's jump in. 
Okay, so Christmas is often believed to be associated with the solstice. Yeah. What date is the summer bing, solstice bing, in Australia? Bing. I mean, um, ho, ho, ho. Yes? The 21st of December. No, I can't accept that, I'm afraid. Stu, do you want to have a go? It's the 22nd of December. 22nd of December, I believe, this year is is the summer solstice. <laughs> there will be no correspondence <laughs> ended into, so one point to Stu. <laughs> Okay, this, this one might be a good one. Now, <clears throat> this one, this is a story that that you have may have um, some knowledge of, Claire. So this is this yeah. is this is one for you. Okay, so Christmas beetles, which are native to Australia, of course, um, they are related to which inse- type of insect that is very um, ecologically very important and sacred to the ancient Egyptians. Bing, bing, bing. Yes. Is it the scarab beetle? It is the scarab beetle. They are in the scarab family. <laughs> oh. Um, Christmas beetles, of course, are the shiny beetles that you see around Christmas time. The numbers are apparently declining, um, believed to be because of habitat loss. Like they, their larvae feed on the roots of native grasses, and there are fewer native grasses than there were. So, sad and story. also the adults feed on eucalyptus leaves, and there's probably less forests than there, there were. There too. are too, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Okay, what else we got? Um, okay, the, what is the amino acid that is associated with turkey and sleepiness? Tryptophan. Oh, sorry, I should have gone. Ding, 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 ding. Tryptophan. It is. Thank you, Stu. Is it really associated? Is it really a, a plausible thing that turkey makes you sleepy because of tryptophan? No, apparently not. No, because no. um, turkey does not have large numbers, of, large amounts of tryptophan compared to compared other compared to other things. Yeah, I think I think the main reason is that people get up early to open their presents and then they get tired after lunch and they eat and drink a lot as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny about that. Um, okay, on a Christmas food theme. Here we go. Here's a physics question because I got to squeeze some physics questions in. Here we go. Okay. Have you heard of the plum pudding model of the atom? Uh, yes. Is that where the sort of the, the electrons are just sort of stuck in it like like raisins in a plum pudding? That's correct. Can you na- tell me, though, the name of the New Zealand-born physicist who proved it wrong? Rutherford. Yes, it is Rutherford. Thank you. Ernest Rutherford. I only know that because of young Einstein. Yeah. So what are we on now? We've got, I think, three points to Stu, one point to Claire. Is that correct? Yeah. I'm going to look up that solstice question. <laughs> I totally can. Okay. Here's a, question. here's a question for you. What year was the last documented white Christmas in Australia? Whoa. Can you give us... Uh, f- I'm going to guess it was mo- in the 30s. It could be like when this is me from googling my pre, my perfunctory googling the first the, the the most reliable date that came up not the thirties okay white Christmas what anywhere in Australia yeah anywhere in Australia okay so maybe maybe somewhere in Tasmania I'm in... not looking the location what I'm not looking the location I'm looking for the year yeah I know but but I'm trying to um, get some more information okay. yeah, from sure. you. Is it Tasmania? There was snow in Tasmania, also in Victoria and parts of New South Wales, even. Mm, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, 1955. It was a very cold year. Later. Oh, really? 1975? Later. Stu? 1985? I can see a pattern forming here. Later. <laughs> 1995? Later. 1998? Later. 2003? Later. What? 2015. Earlier. Ooh. 2010? Earlier. 2008. Earlier. 2007? Earlier. 2006. 
Stew. <laughs> yes, four points to Stew now. Yes, it yes, was we can all count. It was 2006. <laughs> no, I don't remember. It was it was an unseasonally warm. There was um, I was in Melbourne at the time. There was actually a lot of rain and hail on Christmas Day in Melbourne, but there was snow in Alpine areas of Victoria, New South Wales, and snow on Mount Wellington, uh, in Hobart. Probably should remember that, but didn't. Okay, sort of got four points to Stu, one point to Claire. Claire, um, is there a, is there a um uh, a genre of questions that you would like? No. Like, okay. No, no, that's right. Okay. Um, Christmas genre. Okay, I'll, I'll give you two more questions. Two more questions. Okay, here's a quick one. Put your, put your water bottle down. Um, and your thinking cap on. Right. What are reindeer, also known as in North America? Uh, okay, okay. Yes. Are they caribou? Yes, correct. <laughs> two points to Claire, one, four points to Stu. I don't think, I don't think, um, I don't think, uh, Claire can give this. We have one more question. Here we go. Um, barring, aside from the 29th of February, I want you to tell me what date of the year has the least common of having a birthday? Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Christmas Day? Yes. That was a <laughs> gimme question. Um, Christmas Day is the least common day for having a birthday. Um, is it really? It is. It is followed by, followed by Boxing Day and New Year's Day. Um, so there was a study done over a 10-year period from 2007 to 2016, there were 4,388 births in total on Christmas Day, compared to an average across the year of 8,047. So almost half. Um, so do people just get induced early? Yeah, like you think about it, we took Caden Count cesarean sections and in, induced pregnancy, yeah. those, those kind of things. And the most popular day was 17th of September, I will say, with um, 8,862, which suggests that while Christmas and New Year period is not a popular time to give birth, it is... A popular time to conceive. So uh, at the end of our <laughs> quiz, Christmas quiz round, I believe Stu is just ahead four points to three. Stu wins Christmas for this year. That is it for our Christmas episode of Lost in Science. I hope you've been as Christmassy as us and that you listen out for Science Clause when he comes on your roof with his, his, his um, accurate... Science Clause accurate. sounds very, very painful. It does, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Lost in Science it is recorded at the studios of 3CR in Melbourne and airs across Australia on community radio network with the support of the community broadcasting foundation we'd love you to get in touch with us send us a christmas card at lostinsci at gmail.com or send us your christmas greetings over twitter or on facebook send us one of those christmas memes we are lost in science on 3cr or listen to our podcast great listening over christmas lunch you can just put on the lost in science podcast and everyone will be entertained or you can just listen to us on the radio i guess yeah 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 when next week which will be new year's our new year's end of year special Yes. Yes. Um, Claire, Stu, and Chris will get lost inside of Christmas. Thanks for listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. 
Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online.